All right. Well, uh, I want to show you a picture. If I can get it. Jesus, like Fort Knox in here. I know, right? I was going to put it on the screen, but I didn't want to. I'll let you see it afterwards if you come up and look at it. But this is a picture of my wife and I when we got married. This is our wedding day. Isn't that, isn't that, isn't that swell? Look how skinny I am. It's so beautiful. <laughs> Some of you can relate to that. Amen. Amen. And uh, it was a special day, you know. Matter of fact, it was one of the most important days of my life. It was a, it was a decision day, wasn't it? It's the day that you say, you know what, this is the real deal. And, and uh, I love this woman, and I'm going to spend the rest of my life with her, and, and I'm going to commit myself to that. And I'm going to commit myself not just in the natural, but I'm going to commit myself in the spiritual to this covenant of marriage. It was a decision I made. It was a choice that I made, and it was one that I did freely. I wasn't, I didn't enter into it under any kind of compulsion or, you know, no one was twisting my arm and there was no shotgun behind my back, if you know what I mean. And so that day was a very important day in Gretchen and I's life. Uh, It was probably the most important day in her life, I'm sure. (laughs) Why is that funny? I don't understand what's going on here. I'm sorry, guys. My arms don't work very well (laughs) because I've had surgery. And so I'm going to put that right here. No, I'm not going to make you look at it. (laughs) I'm not going to make you look at it the whole time. But you know, in life, we make decisions, don't we? And some of them are not very important. And some of them are kind of important. And some of them are actually very, very important. Um, I'd say that who you marry is kind of a big deal. It's an important decision Um, to have children or not. That's an important decision, isn't it? But, you know, today I want to talk about what I think is the most important decision that you can make in your life. And that is a decision to follow Jesus with your life. Whether or not you've done that, I don't know. And so today I want to start with just kind of this question, really. It's, it's a title for the sermon, and that is, I'm a Christian, now what? Now, I know that some of you are in the room or checking out at this point because you're like, well, I've been a Christian a long time, I know stuff. Hold on. Before you get too uh, high on yourself, before you get too excited about who you are, let's just kind of dial it down a little bit and realize that I'm a Christian exists in the beginning, in the middle, and even towards the end. Does that make sense? In other words, I'm a Christian can be at any point. You have made a decision to walk with God. Now, you may be a rookie or you may be a veteran, but the thing that we have to see is that I'm a Christian, now what is always a good question for us to be asking. It's always a good question because if you're a follower of Christ today, it's always a question that we need to be asking because God is always doing something. God's always up to something. He always has a next move. He's already planned it for you. He, he wants to make sure that you walk in it. And so for the rookies in the room, I'm going to help you. For the veterans in the room, I'm going to help you too, all right? And so, so I believe this is applicable. And then for those in the room that maybe have never, ever considered it, maybe you've never taken a step of faith towards Christ Jesus I want to give you an opportunity as well. All right. So is that clear? Making sense where we're headed today? 
All right. Well, that's what we're going to do. So in our lives, we make all kinds of decisions. And like I said, my wife and I made a very important decision. And, 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 and I'd say that it was an important decision, but it wasn't the most important decision that I've ever made. The most important decision I ever made was when I was uh, 14. And it was there in that little church. Uh, I've told this story before. I was 14 years old, and my mom and I were the only white folk in an all-black church. And that's where I got saved. And that's where I came to faith. And that's where I learned about faith. And that's where I discovered the Bible. And that's where I began to, to flex my muscles as a Christian. You know what I mean? And, and, and it was there that, that it all began for me. And I'd say that that was the most important decision that I've ever made in my life because it, it, it radically changes my destiny, but it also changes who I am on a daily basis. If... I allow it to happen. And so I believe today that God wants to do the same kind of work in you if you'll allow yourself or avail yourself to it. Now, in the Gospel of John, there's this story, uh, and Jesus, or John is telling this story uh, about Jesus talking to a guy named Nicodemus. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard of Nicodemus, uh, but in the story... Nicodemus and Jesus are talking and, 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 and Jesus asks some questions uh, or uh, rather Nicodemus asks some questions and, and this is the, one of the questions he asks. He says, what must I do to enter the kingdom of God? That's a good question. How, how do I get in? You know, I mean, if, if, if I'm going to the gate and I want to get in, how do I get in, right? And so, so Nicodemus asks that question. He, he wants to know what does it look like. And Jesus says to him that anybody that wants to get in has to be born again. Now, I know that that phrase conjures up all kinds of ideas. For some people, it conjures up people that are not very nice and a little Jesus crazy, Right, you've met a few people that you're that, that you're not sure you want to be a part of that group, and but 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 I do want to take that away for a second and say, born again has nothing to do, really, what with the human trappings that we've put on it, because sometimes you know I've said this before is that the Holy Spirit, no no people, people are weird. The Holy Spirit is not weird. Get that. That's important because, see, sometimes we think the Holy Spirit is weird, but it's not about the Holy Spirit. It's that we do weird things sometimes when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of us. And, and sometimes we do, sometimes we don't even do kind things because under this conviction that we have, we want to do something with it. And we don't always think about that, that truth and love are coupled together that those things go hand in hand. And so sometimes we mess that up. And, but, but, but I do want to just define born again what Jesus was talking about because he really wasn't talking that, because Nicodemus says, well, so how do, I, how do you do that? Do you, do you go back in your mother's womb and then somehow get born again? Like, how does that work? You know, and so he's puzzled by this, this thing. And, and, and Jesus says, okay, you're missing the point. You're missing the point. You're being too literal, you know? And I wonder if Jesus has ever said that to you. You know, sometimes we're just we're just too literal sometimes. And and Jesus is saying, I need you to see, I need you to see the spiritual nuance of what I'm saying to you. See, Jesus wasn't talking about going back. He was talking about moving forward. Get this. He wasn't talking about going back in the womb. 
He was talking about going forward into this new life that is in Jesus. It's not in you. It's not in what you do. It's not in your marriage. It's not in a relationship. It's in Jesus. That when that happens, and that's real, and it's done by faith, what happens is that relationship begins to form, and there is this newness that comes. Now, maybe you've experienced that. Maybe you haven't. I don't know. But today, I want to make sure that everybody gets a chance to understand what this means and what God can do in your life. And listen to this in the Bible. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5.17, perhaps you've heard this, but it deals specifically with this, this newness, this moving forward. Look at this. When someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person inside. Look at that. That's, that's amazing. Like, I don't even know how that works exactly. But, but, but the person becomes a Christian. They say yes to the Lord. And the Bible says that they become a new creation. Guys, that's, that's powerful to think about. I don't even know that how that works exactly. But I know that God is able to do it. He says this. He says it's not the same anymore. A new life has begun. Powerful. Powerful to think about. Like He's like saying you're new. Not, and again, it's not that you're refurbished. Get this. You, you got to get this. It's not, that, it's not that he just puts some paint on you. You know, you're, I know you're a little rusty. <laughs> Let's put some paint on you and, you know, get you all, you know, put a little makeup on and get you, get you looking real nice. My, I remember, I remember my wife and I, we redid our kitchen a long time ago in another state and they put this, uh, it was like a vinyl or something that they put on the cabinets in the kitchen, but it made it look like it was new and it was a lot cheaper. I'm just saying, amen. A lot cheaper. But the thing is, it just, it covered it up. It covered up what was there. It was covered up the old. And see, the point you have to get is that the Bible's not talking about getting a new paint job. The Bible's talking about that you become a new creation. Do you get that? You understand that it's, it's not just that you get some paint and you get prettied up a, a little armor all on the tires. No, it's the, you become a new creation. Guys, I think that's kind of a big deal. I feel like some of you aren't sure. Because if I remember who I was, you know, if you remember who you were and who you are now, whoa. You know, God can do that in your life. I could bring people up on this stage and they could tell you about what God has done to transform their life and you would be just amazed at all that God has done. And that's what God is saying is that you can be a totally new person, a new creation. I just, I think that's absolutely amazing. See, see, God has made us brand new. That's, that's the truth that we have to see that when we think about born again, that's, that's it. <laughs> and, and the thing is, is I didn't deserve it. You didn't either. Like, I, I know this is kind of a harsh thing to say, but the only thing that we really deserve is hell. I mean, that's it. Like, I mean, when you're separated from God eternally because of your sin, the Bible says that, that the only thing you deserve is that. And yet, God brings his grace to us freely. And if we take it, 
If we take that gift, then what happens is that we're able to be set free. We're able to come into a relationship with God. The Bible says that when you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, then, my friends, you'll be saved. And you know what happens in that? You know what happens in that is that it opens up possibilities that you didn't have before. All of the promises of God are yes and amen for those that are in Christ Jesus. Get that. All of the promises. Now, if you're not in, then all of the promises of God are not available. Get this. But if you are, then they are. I don't know about you, but if I'm not in, I would much rather be in. It's just free. Take it. It's a gift. Why wouldn't you want that in your life? Why wouldn't you want that kind of thing in your life? Because, see, I need God's promises in my life. I need him to be active and moving in my life because I can't do it. And, and you know, at the very quiet moments of your heart or in those quiet moments and in those places that are just kind of silent, you know that you can't do it without him. And the coolest thing is that all of the promises of God come to you. They're offered to you. And, and here's the coolest part is that they're guaranteed by God. Guaranteed. Like it's, you know, don't you love it when you get a, a package and it says 100% guaranteed? Don't you like that? Because then you can know, you know, you can take it back. Or if it's got a five-year warranty, right? Because everything humans make breaks. But God's promises don't break. God's promises don't break. They're always yes and amen to those that are in Christ Jesus. And in other words, they're always mine. And I love that. I love that I now have access to the promises of God. Because see, if I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart, the Bible says that I'll be saved. And so those promises now are mine because I've done that. And I don't know if you've done that, but, but if you haven't done that, I just want to suggest to you that you need to do that. You really do. It's an important decision. And I know that for some of the believers in the room, they're like, okay, move on. I've got it. I've got it. But I just, just sit with that for a second. You know, maybe just today you need to just reflect again about how gracious God has been to you. You know, isn't it true as believers sometimes we, 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 we forget that? You know, we just move on. We say the prayer up, down, in, out. And we just forget. We forget just how good he's been. Man, I just thank you, God, for all that you've done for me. Maybe that's the, the thing you need to say today. Thank you, God, for all that you've done for me. But here's the thing that Jesus doesn't say. He doesn't say that you're going to have always great days. <laughs> you're going to have some bad days. So he doesn't say all of the promises of God will always be up and to the right. He says, you know, there's going to be troubles. There's going to be suffering. There's going to be difficulties. There's going to be things that you experience in this life that you wonder where is God? And that, my friends, does not negate God's promises. It's important you see that, that our experience of life doesn't negate the promises of God. Aren't you glad about that? I mean, I, I know that it's hard to get your brain around, but I'm just saying it is one of those things that if, 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 if what I did negated everything God has promised, that's a mess. We're, I, that's a mess, people. 
I'm just grateful that his promises stand the test of time and they're not contingent on what I think. But they're always present. They're always real. But here's the thing that God says, that in the struggles, uh, you will never go through those alone and that you will always have access to my power. You will never go through those alone and you will always have access to my power. Watch. If you don't believe me, look at this. This is in 2 Peter 1.4. Look at this. God has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you and I may participate in the divine nature. Let that sit on you for a second. That should make you go, oh. I don't feel like it did. I'm a little concerned because it, the Bible is saying that, 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 that God gives me the ability to participate in the divine nature. That, not my nature, not someone else's nature, but the divine nature. Woo! And it says, and escape the corruption in this world caused by evil desires. That I can escape the things that come after me, the sin that so easily entangles me. I'm able to, to rise up because God's nature is in me. That is, <laughs> that is a big deal. Man, I, I hope somebody's getting this this morning. God gives us these two promises right here. One is he will help you participate in the divine nature. That's promise number one. In other words, your natural becomes supernatural. Your natural, what you could do in and of yourself, gets God's nature on it. And then all of a sudden it becomes supercharged for the things that he wants you to do. God's nature, I have access to it. Thank you. That's, one, God, that's God's promise, number one. Number two is he will help you escape the corruption in this world caused by evil desires. Have you ever got yourself in trouble because of evil desires? <laughs> no, no, don't everybody answer at once. I can't tell you sometimes the desires that go through my head. And I know that's scandalous, isn't it? The preacher has desires. Everybody's really creeped out now. <laughs> but without God, without his word washing over me, without his power of the Holy Spirit in me, guess where I go towards? I go towards my desires. My desires. And the Bible says that the human heart is wicked. And without Jesus, I'm going to pick the wrong thing. And I know that some of us think we can do it, but the Bible says you can't. And I'm sorry that you've been so deceived, but today I want to help you. I want you to see what's real. I want to hold a mirror up to your face and say, look, this is, this is what's real. This is what's real. And so, so, so the Bible says that when you become born again, you are a brand new 
creation and you have access to God's promises and these are the things that you can have access to, his divine nature, and you can overcome these things. And like on Easter, we said that if Jesus is coming out of the grave, so am I because the resurrection of Jesus means my resurrection. And so if that's true, if that's true, then that means all of these things are true and so I can beat sin, I can beat death, I can live in the victory that Jesus wants to give me. Those things are possible. You don't have to be beat down by the things, the desires in your life. You can actually overcome them. You can overcome them. Woo! All right, so now you're saying, okay, I've got it. Now what? Right? I'm a Christian. I've said the prayer. I've done the deed. I know I have access to the promises of God, but, but now what? What am I supposed to be doing? All right, so like I said, I want to talk to the rookies in the room, and I want to talk to you people who think you're veterans. Help them, Lord. Help them. Right? Help them, Lord. Because, because what happens is, is wherever you are on the journey, you have some work to do. You know that? Like, I mean, it's important you see that. Wherever you are on the journey, you have some work to do. And if you don't believe you have work to do, then you have become self-righteous. That's, that's, that's what that you have to be careful of. Sometimes you get become full of pride. It's the ugliest thing in the world to see spirit-filled Christians become prideful. It's just ugly. It's like, who do you think you are? Where did you come from? Who gave you that platform? Yeah? Who gave you this? Who gave you that? And someday God's going to break you down. He's going to do it. He did it to Job. He said, you sit right there, boy. That's what he said. He said, you, you sit there and I'm going to, you, you and you get ready because here it comes. Did you do this? Did you do that? Did you do this? Did you do that? And he's just like, uh, 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 no, 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 no. Boom. Because see, God can work with a humble person. God can work with your weakness. He doesn't like to work with your strength. Get this. He works with your weakness. He works with your humility. Matter of fact, Paul even goes as far as to say, I'm not going to boast in all the things that I do. I'm going to boast in my weakness. That's messed up. Every leader in here is like, that. no, no. It's so upside down. And yet Jesus says, you need to see this. Everything you have is a gift. Everything you have is a gift. And so now what? What am I supposed to do? If I'm a rookie, if I'm a veteran, if I'm in the middle, what am I supposed to do? So here are four steps I want to talk about for the remainder of our time. Number one is that if you haven't been baptized, be baptized. Like, I know that sounds kind of trivial, but I've, I've met believers that have never been baptized. It's true. I mean, I've seen them. And, and some of it's like logistics, right? It's like logistics. It's like, well, you know, uh, I wasn't a member of the church and I didn't go through this thing and go through that thing and I didn't say the right this or, you know, I didn't do the video testimony and so I wasn't able to be baptized. Look, I'm not saying those things, those things are bad. All those things are probably good things, but they're man-made things. There's nothing in the Bible that says that you have to do a video testimony to get in the tub. That's pharisaical Christians coming up with new rules. So, so my point is, is that if you've never been baptized, well, just do it. 
What? It's not about your family being there. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Now you've, started, now you've messed me up. Because, see, look, look, look. Let me help you here. Your biological family is important. But your spiritual family is more important. I know it's going to mess you up because some of you are like, no, uh, that's not true. Uh-uh. Hold on. Well, Jesus is very clear about this. So when you were born into the family of God, you become a part of that family. This is not just some exchange where you go in the water and then you leave and walk out the door and you don't plant yourself somewhere. No, no, no. You're supposed to be involved in a community of faith. That's your family. That is your God family. And so when you get baptized, you enter into that. And so I want to be able to help you with that. And so today, we've got a tub full of water. And we want to help people be baptized. And so if you've never been baptized today, what I'd like for you to do is stay after, the ele- stay after church at the 11 o'clock. And we will baptize you in the service at the 11 o'clock. And if you're like, well, pastor, I don't have any shorts. Well, friend, I've got you covered. I've got shorts, I've got underwear, I've got Q-tips. I've got sandals, I've got shirts, I've got everything you need. And I also have a bathroom that you can go in and we'll even guard it. Okay? And we'll take pictures, we'll make sure that those pictures get to people so that other people can see the people and it'll be perfect. See what I'm getting at? We're trying to remove, we're trying to remove all of the barriers to you taking a step towards Christ. Sometimes there's this kind of giggle in the room, and I'm always wondering, like, did I do something weird? What did I say? Is that what I said? That's good. Guys, there's a lot of words that come out of my mouth. And And that doesn't mean that all of them are calculated. And so there's this symbolism in the Bible of you going down to your death and coming up out of the water a new person. And so we would love to help you with that today. Just do it. And, you know, and if you can't do it, I get it. But but, no, I don't get it. So whatever. (laughs) Do it today. Don't wait. Today's your day. And so if someone said this one time is if you can't stand and declare, uh, if you can't stand and declare in the church, then you surely won't stand and declare it outside the church. Right? And so take that step. Get baptized today if you've never done it. Okay? Number two. Number two is join a small group. Join a small group. I know this is ABC's people, but some of you are not in community. Some of you come to church and you never move towards a group. And I just want to say to you, you'll never fully experience all that Elevation has to offer until you move towards that smaller group. Because see, transformation really happens not in rows, but in circles. It's important you see this. And so you have to begin to move towards community because see, if you're not known, if you're not known by people, they can't help you. They can't help you take your next step. And if you've never been challenged in your faith, that means you're not known. Get this. That, somebody needs to hear that today. If you have never been challenged in your faith, that means you're not known. Because see, when people know stuff, they see stuff. And when they see stuff, they can help you with the gospel. They can say, hey, brother, check this out. Oh, have you checked? Look at that. Or 
bro, you've got to stop doing that. That's hurting you. That's hurting other people. You've got to stop it. You know, you get my point? And so small groups are so important to this. And so small groups start this next month. I mean, our signups start this next month. And so starting the first week of May, we're going to have some catalog. We'll have a catalog. All of the groups will go up online. And you'll have the opportunity to jump into a group. Now pay attention here. This is important. You need a group. Everybody needs a group. All right? Everybody got it? I, 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 I feel like there's a few of you that, that aren't getting it, but Jesus, I pray that you'll help them. Because see, guys, we need this in our life. We need this in our life. We've got to have these steps. And number three, number three, is attend Elevate. Now, what is Elevate? Elevate is a new thing that we're doing around the church. It's, it's a three-week small group that's designed to help you. It's really designed to accelerate your spiritual next steps. Now, think about that for a second. Some of you have been walking through your journey with Christ right now, and you have no intentionality to it. And I'm telling you, you have to begin to look at a life that's more purposeful. You have to begin to make calculated moves so that you can see the results that you're trying to see. Because the goal of being a follower of Jesus is not just to get saved. Getting saved is absolutely critical. It puts you in the family, but it puts you in the family to start taking steps. Get it? It's important that you understand this because sometimes what we think is we get saved and we sit. Let me say it again. We get saved and we sit. That is not God's plan for your life. God's plan is for you to get moving. And what you have to do is figure out what the next step is. And we want to help you with that. And that's why I think Elevate is going to be so amazing because at the end of Elevate, you commit yourself to three weeks. At the end of Elevate, you get this opportunity to begin to take those steps because we're going to put in your hands a spiritual assessment, a personal spiritual assessment that is designed specifically for you and where you're at and help you take calculated next steps over the next 18 weeks. Think about that. Because see, here's the, I'm, I'm dummy proofing the process. Come on. Come on, everybody. I'm dummy proofing the process. And you're like, wait, wait, wait. What are you talking about? I'm helping you say, look, I, I said this before. Is it, if you don't grow in Christ, that is your fault. And I do not want it to be our fault. So as a church, we create opportunities for you to take steps. And I know that's hard in a world that wants to deflect all of... I mean, our world is full of blamers. It's always the church's fault. It's always this. It's, it's always that. And, and I know I'm being a little hard today. I'm kind of being a little prophetic because I know that we've got to shake some of you to get you moving just a little bit because some of us have become way too comfortable. Way too comfortable. Some of you today are on an E-team and you are not serving currently. Not Okay. Let's get in there. Let's start working for the Lord. Guys, I, I, if you could see your faces. I feel like I am a principal scolding you. And all of you are like, oh, I hate church. But sign up. 
So we have, uh, and, and seriously, they are limited. The spots are limited. So May, we've got them for May, June, July, uh, uh, and August, I think, are out there right now. Go get signed up because we want it to be small enough that we can know people. We want to help you. We want to help you grow in your faith and take your next steps. Because here's the thing. Imagine not just taking one next step, but imagine developing a lifestyle of next steps. Imagine where you'll be 10 years from now as a follower of Jesus. Woo-wee! Game changer, people. And then finally, I'll end with this. I'll end with this. And this is the fourth one. And that is read your Bible. Yeah, I know. It's simple. Read your Bible. And everybody goes, thank you, pastor. I get it. But we don't always. You know, like when I say read your Bible daily, that's when I eliminate a few of you. Now I say, read your Bible. You're like, oh, I got that. I've got that. I did it last week. That's great. Because again, look, look, look. It's not a duty. It's about a relationship. And if you don't cultivate a relationship with God, how in the world are you going to know what God wants you to do? And the only way you can know what God wants you to do is to read his word. So don't blame God for not knowing. Blame yourself for not trying. Amen? Amen. It's so good. So good. God, help us today. But I want to just, I want to encourage you to move towards soap. Uh, If you've never seen soap, know what soap is. I did an entire series on it in January. You can go back and watch all four weeks on soap. All right. But I want you to, to take hold of that. If you go out into the lobby, there is a soap guide to help you. There are journals that we give you to get you started. And if you don't have a Bible, we have free Bibles out there as well to help you take your next steps. You see where I'm going here? Is that, see, see, at the end of the day, I want to create a church. Listen to me. Listen, listen. I need everybody listening. At the end of the day, I want to create a church of what I call self-feeders. Now get that. It is not my job as a pastor to bring every one of you up here on stage and put you in a high chair and feed you for the rest of your life. What I'm supposed to do is teach you to feed yourself so that you can be strong, full of the Holy Spirit. You imagine how that changes our worship when everybody comes in here ready to go, full of the Holy Spirit, full of the Word of God, full of all the things that God wants to give you. I mean, you imagine what serve day will do I mean, come on. We need a people that are fired up for God. And we're not going to get it if we're just sitting there doing nothing. It's just true. Okay. All right, I'm done yelling at you guys today. It's okay. It's okay. I want to draw your attention to Matthew. Matthew chapter 14. And this is a story that you've probably heard. Jesus has just got done feeding the 5,000. He gets in a boat with his disciples, you know, like they, they get on the water and Jesus goes away to pray. And, and I want to read this to you. It'll be on the screens, but listen to this. Starting in verse 24. It says, meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble, far away from the land. They're in trouble. You ever been in trouble? Far away from the land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting the heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them, and what was he doing? He was walking on water. That's pretty significant. 
It says he was walking on water, and it says the disciples saw him on the water, and they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost, which is not the first time he's been accused of being a ghost. Thomas did it too, remember? It's a ghost. It's not a ghost. Verse 27, but Jesus spoke to them at once. He said, don't be afraid. He said, take courage. I'm here. Verse 28, then Peter called out to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. And so Peter went out the other side of the boat and walked on water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong winds and waves, he was terrified and he began to sink and he yells out to the Lord, save me, Lord, which I actually think is a really good statement. You know, sometimes we're, we're, we're beating up Peter and because I don't think Jesus was interested in beating Peter up. I, I think he was trying to teach him. But he says, save me, Lord. And what does Jesus do? He says, OK, come here. I'll, I'll help you. OK, now, now here's what I want you to see. If we ever want to walk on water, you've heard this. We've got to get out of the boat. We've got to get out of the boat. We've got to start stepping. We've got to start moving towards the things that God has for us. And I don't know where you are today, and I don't know if you're a rookie or if you're a veteran or if you're somewhere in the middle, but I do want to help you. And I want to help you take your next steps. As a church, we want to help you take your next steps because we believe that when we do that, when we do that, we'll become, we'll start to become who God wants us to be. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for today. I know that my words um, were a hard teaching. But God, I believe that, that there's some good soil in here that those seeds are going to fall in. If you're that good soil, just say, Lord, I receive your word today. I just receive it. Help me to take my next steps. Just tell him. In faith, God, help me to take my next steps. I want to get better. I want to get stronger. I want to be the person you've called me to be. Perhaps here today as I talked, you, you, you heard the stories. You, you, you heard about the rookies and the veterans in the middle. And, 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 and you even heard about this born again thing, but you weren't sure. You're not sure. You haven't, you're not sure if that new creation thing is real in your life. And I just want to give you an opportunity to respond to the gospel. Because see, the Bible says that if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is who he says he is, and he's done what he says he's done, that he'll come in and he'll save you. Guys, that's good news. And so today, if you're not settled there, if you would say that I, I don't believe I'm born again, that you would like to take that step of faith, I want to give you an opportunity. And so right now, with heads bowed and eyes closed, as we pray together, if that's you, if you're ready to take that step, what I'd like for you to do on the count of three is be bold in faith. Just raise your hand up to simply say, yep, that's me. Count me in. I want to I wanna do that. And what I want to do is pray for you. And so right now with heads bowed and eyes closed on the count of three, I'd love for you to raise your hand and make that statement so I can pray for you. One, two, three. Go ahead. God bless you. Good. Anybody else? Good. Good, good, good. 
Anybody else? Proud of you. Hey, uh, church, everybody's going to pray together right now. We're all praying together. And so if you raised your hand, we would love to come alongside you and pray with you. And so if you did, we'd love for you to repeat these words. And church, would you repeat these words with me so everybody's praying together here? Lord Jesus, I need you. I know that my sin has separated me from you. Will you be my Savior? Will you be my Lord? Will you begin to change me from the inside out? Help me to take next steps so I can be the person that you want me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we celebrate those that are making decisions today? Amen.